Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hey, my sweetie. You know, the only problem with these podcasts, you and I have the greatest conversations before the podcast, and then we start the podcast, and like, what can I say? The adrenaline kicks in, the fight or flight, uh, you know, mechanism starts, and then I can't think of a darn thing. We have perform- It's called performance anxiety. Ah, I should be familiar with that. Yes. Yes. Like I, used to t- I used to tell my, my voice teacher, that I sang so beautifully in the shower last night. Well, isn't, isn't, isn't the shower actually really good for your, your lungs when you're singing? That's why when you sing in the shower, it sounds better? Yes, it's that warm, moist air uh, helps you. First of all, you're relaxed, so you mm-hmm. can open. Your throat is more relaxed. When you're under strain, your throat picks up on that, and it tightens. And that what, that's what prevents you from hitting those high notes so well or getting that resonance but when you're relaxed you can you know lower your jaw nicer you can get that plate that vibration that placement better and also the warm moist air opens up clears your passages and opens your throat better okay that's pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah i think you were gonna say something no i'm not i'm listening to you i was i was gonna say um i i, I know we've we've talked about different types of humor but what would be your lowest form of humor that you appreciate? <laughs> lowest form of that, you, I know you put the disclaimer there. Appreciate. Yeah, that you appreciate. I tell you the truth. I I tell you the truth. Um. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, I don't. I tell you the truth, what I don't like. I don't mind. It's jokes. gross humor. Terrible humor. <laughs> no, no, really. I don't mind jokes that are a little off color that leaves, you know, uh, not totally X-rated, but you might say kind of on the measure of PG-13, something like that to R, where it, you know, there's some, some innuendo that's being implied, but you use your imagination and that really is funny. I do not like graphic, gross, X-rated mm. humor. I see mm. nothing funny mm. about it. It's just it's horrible. Really. It's just it's the really worst. Weird. No, but the thing is this. What these people that tell these kind of really gross, horrible jokes that make fun of the human body, you know, of, of especially, you know, sexual functions. I mean, Ugh. what? No, really, Ugh. stop and think about it. What are you making fun of? You're making fun of the equipment God gave us to do our job here on Earth. hundred percent. What, what's funny? A hundred percent. I know you are. This is just, just horrible, humorless, uneducated, beneath us. I don't see what they do in the first place. It just, it grinds Very my Very funny. Gears. I know you're it being really condescending. You're being condescending, you dirty-minded. Whatever. <laughs> no, it's just, it's humor. If it's good, it makes you laugh, then it's great. I don't know what it is. That's my opinion. Well, well there's something I've noticed. There's a very, very big difference between guy humor and girl humor. Girl humor tends to be more what, you know, I just spoke about. For some reason, guys go for that really gross graphic stuff. Why they think it's funny, I don't know. I don't know either. It's just, it boggles my mind. Well, the other thing I can figure out is that, you know, when Hashem made, you know, created the animals and they said after that he created Adam and then Last, after Adam, he created Chava because as Hashem went on, he was th- creating things that were higher and higher and higher in spirituality. Mm-hmm. And therefore, 
man is basically a intermittentary between the animals and between higher humans. Yes. Whereas women, women are of the higher human form. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yes, left but the anyway, funny bone. You left the funny yeah. bone with us. Uh, but um, anyway, we were talking. We were talking. We had a few things we were talking about before. We were talking about um, mixing your own cocktails. Yes, mixing your own cocktails. I, the reason I thought about it is because usually, I usually have a gin and tonic with lime because my chiropractor years ago said it's very, very good for muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought when it comes to electrolyte, like drinks that have electrolytes. Yes. I don't want to mention any particular product because they we're don't not really here care. To, but yes, we're, we're not here to push any particular product. But there were some of these fine. electrolyte drinks that are too disgustingly sugary, and people know exactly what I'm talking about. And but there's one that they came out with. Um, fairly recently that I saw in the store and I hadn't seen it before. I never saw this before and I, I bought it and I mm-hmm. bought like a whole variety of them. And okay. I seem to like this type more because it's, it's not as sugary. And what I did was um, I took, instead of having tonic with lime and gin, instead I used this electrolyte drink instead of the lime juice and ah. mix it with the tonic and gin is really good. Mm. There's a nice little kick to it too. Enjoy. Enjoy. I see. I see. So is that Powerade or Gatorade? Well, which one was that? Neither. Really? Neither. Pedialyte? Pedialyte? Nope. Very funny. No, Pedialyte. Pe- no, pe- pe- no. Pedialyte's Pedialyte. when you have, when you have diarrhea and you need to replenish your fluids. No. So, no. so Pedialyte, has this whole campaign now that they're targeting adults it used to be only for children or babies and now it's it's also for adults well i remember when you kids were little and um well you did i never gave it to i didn't give it to you because i gave it to your older brothers and your other brothers and sisters when they you know were sick or had diarrhea or were throwing up the doctor told me a pedialyte to replace the electro the electrolytes mm-hmm. they wouldn't drink it they wouldn't take it. I even got, I got, they had the flavored ones for kids. They hated it. They took a sip. They wouldn't take any more. And I could not get them to drink it no matter what I did. So I mm. said, forget it. It's not what, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, you're going to, you know, force the kid's mouth open and pour it down their throat and then they'll choke to death. I mean, come on, you know, you can't do that. So they didn't take it. They didn't take it. And uh, there was nothing I could do about it. Just, I just stuck to the old nice uh, tea and sugar, black We're- tea and sugar. Were you a picky eater when you were a kid? Hmm. Was I a picky eater? Or was I a picky eater? Um. Actually, no. I, I liked. Um. I I had a real good appetite. I um. I can't think of. Uh, I can't think of any. I'm trying to think of. I cannot think of any food. That I didn't like. The only thing. Okay, Brussels sprouts. Something about Brussels sprouts when I ate them made me feel like um, I couldn't catch my breath. Mm. But anything else, um, everything else I, I liked very much. We, you know, in our, in our house, we had a lot of fruits and vegetables because my father, you know, sold that. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my sisters and I, we, you know, we really, we liked uh, all sorts of, you know, spinach, you know, kale was good. We mixed kale mixed with, um, 
My mother used to mix kale with um, gra you know, gravy with onions and you mix the kale in with it. Um, see, my father, uh, I was telling you, his, his, a lot of his clientele were uh, black people. And of course they, they liked uh, the, you know, the soul food was quote unquote kale, the turnip greens. And they of course would mix it with pork and, um, and gravy from, you know, from pork or ham. So my mother, of course, adapted it to kosher and um, instead mixed it with gra you know, with gravy and onions from you know, either turkey or chicken or, or regular, you know, like, a, like beef, you know. And uh, it, was, it was very, very, it was very good that way. In fact, I was at a, um, I was at some sort of simcha where I started to eat the kale that was uh, being used as the garnish. Ah. And I started to put up my plate and eat it. And the waitress, you know, who was working on the other side of the buffet table was black and she started laughing at me. She says, what are you eating that for? I said, we, I said, well, you as a black person should be very well aware of this. You eat kale, don't you? She says, uh, yeah, but they mix it, you know, of course with ham and gravy and all that. I said, well, don't you realize how healthy this is? She said, no, she never realized that she ate it a lot as a kid. Yeah, but she never realized how healthy it was. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Was was any of us picky eaters? I think we all just had that. We just didn't have that option, so to speak. We just never really were. I was low feet, as far as I can tell. Mm, except you had that thing that you went through when you were younger with breakfast, where uh -oh. all you wanted for breakfast. I think we went over this on one of our other podcasts. All you wanted for breakfast was potato chips and ginger ale. <laughs> and I just, I just let you have it. You know, that's what you wanted. But then I came to the point where I said, you, you know, no more of this. You are going to eat a healthy breakfast. And I made you, I gave you cereal with milk and I think a fruit or an egg or something. Yeah, I forgot what I gave you, but it was a healthy breakfast. Two hours later, I get a call from school. You threw it up. Mm. And I tried it a few more times. Every time, I don't know what it was. You grew out of it eventually, but you were like about six, seven years old. Um, the only thing you could stomach was the ginger ale and the potato chips. It was the only thing that you could keep down. Oh, interesting. Never gave it that much thought. Um, so so uh, have, you ever, have you ever experimented with any cocktails? Have I experimented with any cocktails? I remember as a yes. kid, and I realized kids do this. I, I saw growing up, like, kids would go ahead and take a cup and fill it up with like all everyone else's random drinks could be Kool-Aid, Coca-Cola, milk, whatever. And then dare one kid to drink it. And the kid would have to drink it. That's, that's, that's the cocktail that I could think of. Um, other cocktails. I, I, I don't know. I've tried grape juice with vodka. Um, I had, I had old Bay vodka with, um, with uh, a bloody Mary. That was good. That was actually pretty good. I think doesn't Bloody Mary have vodka in it anyway? It's like a, like a mix, like a. No, you buy the mix made. without alcohol, and then you pour the alcohol in it. But you can put any alcohol you want into the Bloody Mary. Normally, Bloody Mary, I think, is like vodka, maybe gin. I don't think gin. I don't know something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Well, Pesci, um, your sister Pesci went came home from Israel, and she bought she brought with her a Southern Comfort that was kosher from Israel. Oh, nice. Now, I never knew 
Southern Comfort had to be kosher. I thought Southern Comfort was a type of whiskey. And she, she educated me and said, no, evidently it's whiskey with vermouth. Mm. And they don't produce it in a kosher form in this country, but they produce it kosher in Israel. Because the vermouth it? has to be under Hachshar. Is there like a, a kosher Kahlua? Was there, was there kosher Kahlua? And is there yes. no longer? Oh, you bet. I don't know what's going on now, but I remember there was always a kosher Kahlua as far as I remember. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember that very well. Kahlua and cream, that was a good drink. Yeah, it was always, yeah, it was always as far as I remember, always kosher Kahlua. I know there's certain, there's, there is a certain, um, there is a kosher tequila. Okay. After a, you know, but um, whatever, what other drinks? There was, oh, I, I discovered that ginger ale worked a lot better with whiskey than yeah. any other type of alcohol. Yeah, that actually goes very well together. Mm-hmm. I have a, my coworker, my mm-hmm. coworker's daughter, yeah. is, a bar te- is a bartender. Yeah. She works um, almost every night. She tends bar. And I said to her, I bet your daughter must know how to mix every single drink imaginable. She goes, oh, yeah, it's like a whole education. And we look at bartenders, uh, you know, the guy or the gal behind the counter, and they're just fixing the drinks. They're popping over the, the, the bottles and handing it to you. No, they have to be educated in all sorts of types of mixed drinks. It's like, like I said, it's a whole education they have. Um, total different side note, uh, oh, 180. Um, when did your parents take something too far? Hitting me. Oh, that's lame. That's a stupid excuse. <laughs> I, I want no, something, they did. They something did, layered, ugh, ugh, overly played, you. boring, was, boring, listen, overly when done. Was, when, listen, when I was 20, when I was 19 years old, 19, already yeah. in college, over 18 in the job. Yeah. A friend of mine and I, a guy friend and I, went to Pennsylvania to the Kutztown, um, you know, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch Fair. Okay. No GPSs in those days. No cell phones in those days. And yes. when you got lost, you buddy, got boy. lost. Mm. Well, I came home. We got lost. We yeah. In Pennsylvania, I come, you know, up to the house. It's like I forgot what it was. Three thirty, four o'clock, whatever. And my mother was there at the door and I come in and she had a belt. She starts hitting me with the belt. I don't know what she thought I was doing. I said, what are you doing? I said, we got lost. What's your problem? Ugh, kids these days, but they complain about nothing, nothing. I tell you, Eh, I was looking more for a better story. That's, that's just, eh, it's very lame, very uh, standard. What, Sorry, my parents hit me too much. I think yeah, it's it. it's too standard. It's too overly played. Uh, not overly it's, played. It's the truth, man. I know it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> what becomes more accept acceptable the older you get? Um, obnoxious people. You learned eventually to kind of like tune them out and ignore them. It's like when you're younger. Some for some reason, especially I don't know about other people, but when I was younger, I had this like very strong sense of justice. Mm-hmm. And if someone said something about me that wasn't true or a negative remark or you know an insulting remark, I had that horrible you know thing where I had to, I had you know like I had to, um, I had to get you know argue with them i had to get them to see that what they said was wrong even about like even about other like when i was in high school 
Um, I remember there was this one teacher, it was a substitute and the substitute was insulting. She was horrible, she was abusive. And I got up and I started really challenging her and yeah. I got disciplined for it. I was told, hey, she's the teacher and you just you know, sit down and be quiet and say, yes, ma'am. You know, I got terribly disciplined for it. But as I got, as you, as you get older, it's like, ah, so what? No, you know, as long as it doesn't cost me money, let this idiot just talk and let every people, let everybody see what a fool he or she is. And I'm not saying any, it's not, not worth my time, not worth my energy to even answer this jerk back. Oh, well. I think that happens as you get older. Anyway, I wanted to go over to a different topic, planning trips. Okay. Like what I did with Barcelona, just like, you know, instead of uh, a, a, a laid out cruise or a laid out tour, you know, getting online, finding, you know, seeing what places are good to visit and just getting on the bus or the train or the plane or in your car and just going there. So okay. um, uh, my next trip, God willing, that I'd like to plan, I'd like to see St. Augustine. You know, it's uh, evidently it's the oldest city in the United States and a lot of things of very interesting historical interest. So I'm right now I'm getting, you know, I'm watching videos, trying to make a list. I found um, it doesn't, it doesn't pay to take the train there. I'm not saving any time taking the train. The Bright Line doesn't go that far north. Does, I think oh, no, Bright Line goes to Orlando, but I think it does not go to St. Augustine. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense for me to take the Bright Line. I should just drive up there, you know, and just uh, walk around and see the historical interest things. By the way, when you were in your travels, yeah, I think you did stuff like that, didn't you? Just kind of like, uh, like I know you went to Italy. I mean, did you have an itinerary planned out in Italy or you just... Crashed we, into the country and walked around. A friend of mine had some stuff prepared. Um, they kind of had their own itinerary. I kind of, we kind of played it by ear. Uh, it was funny because we got to the Vatican, and normally like it's a whole long line to get to the Vatican, but because we got lost, we went to the back door of the Vatican, and it's an it's a legal, totally legal, totally normal entrance, but there was no line. And we uh -huh. got in there and we got into the Sistine Chapel and we were walking around and like in my head, I'm like, did we just get in the Sistine Chapel? Like with <laughs> no lines. And like, it was once we left, we saw behind us, was the main entranceway, there was a whole long line, but there's another entranceway in the Vatican that no one goes to, no one sees, no one notices. Ooh. Oh, wow. Now they know about it. There's this podcast. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, wow. I had something similar when we went to the Kutztown Fair. There yeah. was an, a main entrance. You was I didn't realize it cost money. There was a main entrance you're supposed to go through where you pay. And me and my friend, we were just walking around. We walked through the kitchen, the tent. We walked through the, the tent where the kitchen was and just walked right through the kitchen. That's we awesome. didn't realize we just walked right through it, just grabbed food as we were walking and started eating. <laughs> uh, going on these trips, though, usually you would take a snack. What would be a very oddly specific snack to bring that you enjoy. Well, I know, I, I don't think St. Augustine has any kosher restaurants. I'd be very surprised if they did. Um, but Barcelona, you, you heard like, you know, the, the podcast we did uh, uh, like last week uh, about yeah. uh, how difficult that was for me. Um, I found the best kosher snacks for me to take along with me was um, basically 
crackers are good. Um, crackers. No, specific crackers. So, um, usually um, any kind of crackers that you enjoy. Crackers are very good. Um, whole fruit, like a whole apple, crackers. Um, I took, um, I took the, you know, the small Israeli cucumbers. Oh, yes. They're, small yes. They're very good. And, you know, you can just wash them off. You don't have to worry about peeling them. You just eat them right like that. Celery sticks. That type of stuff is good. Um, if you can make, um, or if you, you know, if you have a, if you can get a hold of peanut butter, um, you know, like you know, typically like uh, peanut butter pretzels, popcorn, potato chips, stuff like that. But of course, that was the problem. And then um, other than going to the kosher store I went to, um, I took, uh, in the kosher store I went to, they have the Bissily snacks. I, I didn't, they didn't even have pretzels. They didn't have kosher pretzels there. I wanted wow. kosher pretzels. So instead I got, I got, um, I got crackers. And I also got these, um, is these teeny Israeli, they're cracker-like, but they're very, very small. They're like, I guess they're like croutons or something. And mm -hmm. they have um, Middle Eastern herbs that they're flavored with, with olive oil. And they're roasted, they're toasted. So that was a good snack. I took, um, I always took a couple of bottles of water with me. You want to take like one or, you want to take two bottles, like two bottles of water with you in the summertime. It's always a good idea to take two bottles of water with you. Yeah, I have a question. Have you ever met a celebrity? I'm trying to think. Um... I'm thinking back. I met Yitzhak Perlman. Okay. I told. Did I tell you about that one? I I, I, I want to say stage. yes, but I don't. I don't really remember. Okay. Remember. What, what happened was this: a friend of mine and I in New York. It was right before Pesach, and we wanted to get one good concert in before Spirisa Omer. Yeah. So uh, she saw that Yitzhak Perlman was performing at um, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and so we went there that night. And um, I didn't know he was, I didn't know he was a paraplegic. I saw he was performing sitting down. I thought that's unusual. And no, no, it was just himself, just him, just, just a solo violin. Yeah. That's all. No piano, no, you know, orchestra. He was just performing solo. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I thought to myself, I couldn't understand. So why is he sitting? Why is he playing sitting down? I've never, you know, I've never seen a concert performer sitting playing down and then at the end of the concert when I saw somebody bring out these crutches to him I said oh now I understand so um the audience had an opportunity to go backstage and to shake his hand and talk to him a little bit which was you know amazing you know what I mean because usually in most of these concerts they you have guards that want to keep the audience away from the performer yeah, security reasons these days. But this was before this was before September 11th. <laughs> so you know things were a little you know more casual. So uh, my friend and I went backstage, and this girl, the everyone shaking hands with him and congratulating him, saying what a wonderful concert it was. And the girl that was before us, she takes his hands and she's crying. You know, oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, oh, oh. She's like, you know, almost like like. Like, how can I say it? Flushing over him, you know? And yeah. he's, he's just He was smiling. a fangirl, fan being a fangirl. Yeah, yeah. And he's, um, and he, you know, uh, he's, he's um, how can I say it? He's, he's a gentleman. You know what I mean? He's, a, he's very, very much every bit of a gentleman. And so he, of course, obviously did not want to get too 
physical with this girl who was just trying to hug him and trying to get, and he was like standing back a little bit and just shaking your hand. Thank you. You know, very politely saying, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the concert. So after she went, after this girl was gushing and gushing all over him, you know, practically falling over him, he puts out his hand to shake our hands. And we said, um, we're sorry, we're Orthodox Jewish girls. And we, you know, we were Shomer Nagia. We do not uh, touch guys. We're not related to him. He goes, he was so impressed. He goes, wow. He said, this is interesting. He says, I've never had this before. This is, he says, this is something. He said, wow, this is amazing. So he said, we explained that this was our last concert that we were going to be able to get in before Spirza Omer. And uh, we wanted to thank him for giving us such a memorable concert right before the time when for six weeks we won't be able to you know, listen to any music. And um, he was, he goes, he just go, wow, really? So we said, yeah. And we said, by the way, we're Chabadniks. Um, do you put on tefillin? And he says, you know something? He says, it's funny you should say that. He says, I was uh, down at Columbus Circle this afternoon. I saw the Chabad truck there, the, the mitzvah tank. I was very tempted. He said he was very tempted to go over and put on tefillin, but something kind of stopped him. He, he lost his nerve. He didn't do it. But he says, you know what? He says, next, he said, I think next time I do see a mitzvah tank, I think I will go over and put on tefillin. And, uh, you know, that was basically the end of the conversation. And we thanked him again. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was it. I'm trying to think of any. Now, I did meet, um, when I was a teenager, the then governor of Maryland. Okay. It was Spiro Agnew, who later would become the vice president of the United States. Beth DeFilla was breaking ground for its new uh, synagogue out in Baltimore County. And he came, he was invited to come to the breaking ground ceremony. And he was very nice. I came over, he shook my hand. Hi, what's your name? Where do you go to school? And um, how do you like it? Yada, yada, yada. A little like, you know, small talk. And um, was a very, seemed like a very nice, just a very, very nice friendly guy. Very ordinary guy. He was, um, he and his wife were Greek Orthodox. And they were just very, how can I say it? They're very casual people. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever met any other celebrities. Um, I've met a, I've met a few murderers. What do you mean? <laughs> Explain. Explain. I met a couple people who turned out to be murderers. Like who? Okay. Um, when oh yeah, and there was a guy. Oh, there was a guy. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was 12 years old, um, I used to participate in this recreation program. Yeah. And there was a guy that was in charge of it who taught guitar and was in charge of basically the recreation program. And he calls me up one day and he says, he says, you know, he says, I want to discuss something with you. Do you know what it is? Now, I don't remember the whole conversation, but I remember one part of it where he said, do you know what it is to be a leader of men? And I said, I'm not quite sure. He says, well, I think you have a lot of leadership qualities i'd like you to come to my office and we can discuss it well you know me i'm chronically late yeah so i missed the appointment i came too late he was already gone later i apologized to him he said oh it's okay it's okay don't worry about it. it's okay it's okay i found out from a woman who had also been in that program as a 12 year old and she says do you remember such and such i said yeah he was a child molester oh wow 
So, <laughs> Brooke said for my lateness, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What about a murderer, though? You talk about murderers. Okay, a couple of them I've met. Um, talk to your aunt, though. Your aunt's a psychologist. She's met quite a few. <laughs> yeah, but that's like on purpose. This is by accident. Yeah. This is our Okay. So, when I was in Israel, yeah. there was... Um, there was there was this couple that was staying at the same youth hostel that I was staying at, and you could hear this woman screaming at this guy. The guy it was an American guy, and an Israeli woman, mm-hmm. and she was always berating him, always screaming. Late at night, you could hear her yelling at him at, down the hall at morning, noon, night, always on his case, always yelling at him. He never did anything right, always yelling at him. And so finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said to her, look, I said, you have to be so mean to him all the time. And so she says to me very coolly as she takes a puff of the cigarette, tis none of your business. Oh, wow. So I said to her, well, I think I wish people like you weren't my business, but I think it's uh, only right that I should speak up when I see somebody being abused. And she kind of like just you know ignored me. Um, about, about, 10, 15 years later, yeah. I pick up uh, the Sun paper and I see an article about a court case in Israel that is making world history. Why is it making world history? The perpetrators, the victim, the lawyers, and the judges are all female, all of them. Interesting. And this is like the first court case in history where wall to wall it's just women yep just women so the situation was these um the wife of this israeli banker was involved in a relationship with this israeli woman Mm -hmm. and both of them turned out not to be nice people what happened was they got a hold of an account that a an elderly american lady had opened up to save for her retirement and she intended to retire to Israel. They were somehow able to, I don't know, get, get in touch with her. I think the, the banker's uh, wife or something, I don't know if she, they were able to get in touch with her and somehow establish a friendship with her. And in the meantime, the banker's wife was able to get into the account. They stole the money. And then when, this is really sad, when the woman came to Israel, they drowned her in the beach of Tel Aviv. Wow. So they said that the, um, uh, that the Israeli woman was in a, another relationship with an American, young American man, and they thought that he was part of it, but after investigating, they found out that he was totally innocent. As a matter of fact, they, they characterized the relationship between this American, general, this American man and this Israeli woman as, quote, unquote, an abusive relationship, abusive on her, like on her part. Yeah. That she was being abusive to him. Anyway, they showed their picture in the newspaper and I went, oh my gosh. Jeez. I recognized them right away. Well, I came really close to being, well, anyway, that, there, oh, there was another murderer that also I yeah. um, ran into. Okay. Um, there was this, girl I ran into who um, she was always um, angry at me, constantly angry at me. Yeah, she was constantly angry at me, constantly. Um, one time I was uh, using this uh, 
I was using the bathroom and she was banging on the door yelling that I was taking too long. So I did something nasty. I purposely pushed open the door real fast against her and said, oh, did I hurt you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Well, uh, she wound up uh, shooting somebody. Oh, wow. You're yeah, she wound, she wound up being an active shooter. She went on a rampage uh, oh. where she tried to poison some people but they they were they um they didn't take the poison and at the same time she also went on a shooting rampage and killed somebody oh my god finally she well, she committed suicide afterwards and the police were closing in on her she shot herself and i saw i saw the name i said my goodness that name sounds familiar boy does that name sound familiar and i looked at her picture i went ooh, oh my goodness oh, oh, oh well wow. oh well all right. Uh, I love you, Mo, but we're, we're out of time. Um, okay, sweetness. But okay. All right. I love you. Have a good Travis. You too. We, I wish we could finish this on a higher note on a, on a happier note of been dealing with a psychopathic. Uh... I think it's great. I think it works fine. I don't mind. I think it's okay. Well, there's this, what's it, there's this guy um, when you go on. I haven't seen him lately, but there was a man on YouTube that had stories about these uh, psychopaths, and he always ends his stories with 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 us. Uh, stay safe out there. Yeah. All right. Um, I love you, Emma. Have a good Chavez. Yeah, I love you, and have a great Chavez, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I know you would like it, and my mother would too.